We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. It's good evening. It's good to see everyone. Uh, it feels like it's been about three weeks since I've seen you. This is a, a time of the, the years that Christmas falls on and New Year's falls on a, a Sunday. And so the elders uh, decided that we wouldn't have Sunday evening service. And it's been a while since I've seen you, but I missed you. And we're glad to be here. I was glad to have Lucefin. Lucefin, thank you for helping us tonight. Joel is, he's gone. He thought uh, since he got married that he'd have to, to take some time off. I don't know why that happens like that, but, but we're excited for him. Uh, a wedding and uh, pray for him and his new bride. And they're beginning of their marriage together, an exciting time. And, but we're thankful to have Lucefin and all the all of you that serve up here at, with our music, we're very, very grateful. As we come to this time of the year, you know, um, if you've driven by LA Fitness, Anytime Fitness, you know that the parking lot is full. It is full because people have made these great decisions. I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to eat well and I'm going to exercise and I'm going to do this and this and this. And, and uh, if you're trying to get into one of those places, just wait about three weeks There'll be plenty of opportunity to sign up and plenty of parking spaces because that's just the way we are. We are. We have good intentions. Um, but people talk about Christmas is over and what should I do now? Well, I want to share with you out of this passage that um, Jared read to us, one of the greatest things that I believe happened after Christmas, after Christ was born there in the manger. Um, and that's, uh, it applies to the angels that came and announced him. It applies to the, the, the wise men that came from a far off land. It applied to Joseph and Mary, the shepherds, everyone that came to visit them. And I believe that it applies to you and me here tonight the same way it did to all of them. So I'm excited to come. And um, if you ask the question, Christmas is over, what, what's next? Well, let me tell you what's next. Something very important. It involves you and me and something we can do. If you uh, get a new vehicle, you get a new car, pick up, whatever you get, what do you do? You call someone, you let somebody know because you want them to join with you in your excitement. If you get a new job, you get to move a uh, new house, uh, you get the news, you're going to have a little baby. You, you're excited and you want to tell somebody. And you call somebody, hopefully, that you that is your family or friends or people in the church that love you and you love them, and they rejoice with you. That's just the right thing to do. Well, when Christmas took place, that very first Christmas in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph through a tough time. Christmas was not easy. It was a tough time. Mary uh, about ready to have Jesus and, and had to ride on a donkey, most likely, most of the way back to Bethlehem. And they had to pay taxes, and that's always a fun time. And probably cold and so many inconveniences that when I get a little bit cold or a little bit tired or hungry and I think about myself, uh, there's just nothing compared to what many people have gone through that I've experienced in my life. But through a tough time, God brought his son into the world. If you have good news to tell, you can't wait to tell it. And so what comes after Christmas? The same thing that came for those angels. They could not wait to tell 
what had happened. The same thing that happened, Joseph and Mary and, and the, the, the shepherds and, and the, the, the magi, the, the people that had heard about the Christ being born, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, they could not wait. How many of you have friends and you say, I need to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. And you know that before they get through having lunch that day, they're going to tell somebody. That's just the way it is. They cannot help but share what they know. It ought to be more than anything in our lives. It ought to be what comes after Christmas. It ought to be our testimonies of telling what Christ has done for us and in us and through us and what he's doing in the world and in our church. So I want us to see that in the scripture if we could tonight. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8 where Jared read, it said in the same region, <clears throat> this is the place around Bethlehem, there were some shepherds. Have you ever thought who they were? doesn't say how many they were. We don't know their names. We'll know in heaven. Uh, but there were a certain group of people, shepherds out in the country. If you go to Jerusalem today or Bethlehem today, on the bus as you're riding those roads, you're very likely to see a Bedouin or an Israeli, somehow uh, whatever nationality they are, tending to their sheep out there on the side of the, the hillside, just like they did 2,000 years ago. When I was there in 2011, the buses driving up to Jerusalem, the guides usually have you sing, Oh, Jerusalem, that song, because you travel up toward the city of, of David. And right there on the right, uh, we saw a lot of camels and things like that, but we saw a shepherd. We actually had a um, young man named Nate that used to serve here at church several years ago, and he spent two years in Israel as a shepherd. He did that for part of the ministry that he wanted to have that experience. So we don't know who these guys are, but I think it's very fitting that God wanted some ordinary common men to get the news about Jesus. And they didn't have to be wealthy. They didn't have to be famous. They didn't have to be important, but they were important to God. And so a group of shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and it says, and an angel of the Lord. I want you to notice that word, an. There are sometimes in the scripture that phrase will be the angel of the Lord. And I'll tell you the difference in a moment. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around uh, them. And they were terribly frightened. And I want to tell you something. These angels are not Mardell angels. When you go to Mardell's, you find little chubby fat babies with little bitty wings, and they're called angels or cherubs. I don't know who started that, but there's no evidence or no picture, no illustration or talk about angels looking like little chubby babies in the Scripture. They're, it's just not there. Oftentimes when you see angels, you see a beautiful woman with long hair and a long flowing dress with huge wings, and, and that's beautiful. It makes a nice picture and a nice painting. But again, in the scripture, there's no evidence that any angel ever looked like that. Probably angels had power to appear in many different forms. God could make them appear that way, but we don't have any example of that. I'm not sure when that started. Out of somebody's imagination, they thought, I'm going to put this drawing out and tell you that's what I think an angel looked like. Did you know that almost every time an angel shows up in the scripture, they are so Awesome, not like the kids say awesome today. 
They are, it makes you uh, so full of awe. They are mighty, they are powerful, and almost always someone who sees them falls down. They fall down like a dead person. Read Revelation, and certainly, certainly here it says they were terribly frightened. Not because they're bad guys, but they're so powerful. They knew they were in the presence of a supernatural creation. Real quickly, angels are not humans. Angels don't get saved like you and I get saved. Angels in the beginning had a free choice to make. They don't anymore. As far as we know, the Bible says those things are set. Some chose to follow Satan. Some of them are already chained up. The book of Jude, right before uh, Revelation tells us, they're awaiting eternal punishment because they rejected God. Some of them are loose today and follow Satan at his bidding. We call them demons today. They are very, very real. Uh, I've dealt with some of that in the ministry personally, and I've known people and, and prayed and watched Christ do some mighty things. Uh, you don't have to be afraid of demons if you're born again. If you don't know Jesus, come talk to us tonight because they are very real. But on the other side of that, God has these created beings, not fallen angels, but angels that are obedient to him. And I want you to think of it as just God's mighty army. Often it talks about the heavenly hosts. And we don't know what all uh, makes up the heavenly hosts, but certainly those angels are there. The book of Revelation gives us many, many insights into them. And I want you to think of them as God's military, God's army. Hebrews chapter 1 says... They were created for us. They were created for us. They are made for the elect. They are to help us. I'm convinced when we get to heaven, God can show us. I had an angel there when you were driving down I-35. I hope he's got angels around us. Uh, I had an angel here when this was taking place in your home. I, I had angels protecting you. You didn't see them. Uh, we watched a play yesterday, you know, and, and uh, one of the key figures in the play there over in, in Garland uh, was an angel. And he kept saying, uh, there's a lot of us around, but you just don't notice us. You don't notice us. They are uh, ready to do God's bidding. When Lazarus died, Lazarus and the rich man, do you remember? The Bible says that angels came for him and took him. He had a heavenly escort. I believe that same thing happens when Christians die today, that the angels literally come for God's believers and escort us into the presence of Jesus. Uh, the great studies, uh, I've done it two or three times here in our church, uh, about angels. There's over 95 different references in the scripture about angels. It's one of the most misunderstood topics and one of the most uh, not understood topics as far as we don't pay attention or we don't realize what all that they do. So if you'd ever like a list of that, you tell me, I can send you some of those things. Um, we give some attributes to angels because we got them out of movies or someone told us, you know, what happens when a bell rings? You know, Clarence Oddbody. He's one of my favorites, but that is not biblical at all. You can't find that anywhere. Uh, but angels are real, and they're powerful. And so when an angel shows up, man is frightened. 
But do you know 365 times in Scripture, God has a phrase, either he says it himself or God has a phrase repeated, fear not, don't be afraid. And one of the first things that many times angels say when humans confront them is don't be afraid because they're not here to harm us. They're here to help us. I'd never noticed this before. I usually think when the angels show up, they're way up there because I saw it in a, in a Christmas play one time and the angel was up high and they came floating down. Did you read what it said? An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, right in front of them. And it literally scared them to death. The angel of the Lord. That phrase is used in the Old Testament many times. When it has the article the in front of it, you can all, almost always or often hear the angel speaking as though it's God himself. When it has an in front of it, it often speaks of thus says the Lord. It's not speaking that I am the Lord, but God says this. There are times in the Old Testament where we have two different things take place. One of them is called a theophany. Theos, that's God. A theophany is a pre-Christ appearance of God here on this earth in the form of an angel. There are times when we have a Christophany. A Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus as an angel. And when you, hear the, when you see those things, that is the angel of the Lord who speaks with the authority of God himself. So if you want a good study, just look up angel of the Lord in your concordance. Look what's before it, the and an, and go find out who it is. Could it be God himself in the form of an angel? Could it be Jesus before he came to the earth as a little baby in the form of an angel? This just says an angel of the Lord stood before them. And then it says the glory of the Lord shone round about them. We, also, we equate that with light. You remember Moses when he went up on the mountain, got the Ten Commandments, he came back down. He, there was a glory of God around him that he, he would shine. His face would shine so much that they actually had to put a veil over him. Because he had been in the presence of God. And so the glory of the Lord, either in the Old Testament, was a cloud that came in the, in the tabernacle. The children of Israel would look out there and they'd see Moses go in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a tent. It was a temple, but it was like a mobile temple because they were going to go through the, prom, uh, the, the wilderness into the promised land. And they would look and see if the cloud came down upon the tabernacle, they knew God was in there talking to Moses. And then the other thing, besides the cloud, the glory of the Lord is shown up with light. And so these shepherds see a light like they had never seen before. They had never seen before. I was out with uh, my buddies back when we were probably just teenagers out in the country. We used to go out and hunt a lot and, and just do a lot of things in pastures because we grew up in the country. And one night, there was a huge light that just came and came through the sky, and it just shined right over us, right over us. And all I can tell you was um, I didn't like that light. <laughs> I don't know what it was. We didn't hear a helicopter. Um, I don't know what you think about UFOs. It just means, UFO means unidentified flying objects. That was unidentified to me. 
But I didn't want to stay there, whatever it was. And we got out of there in a hurry. This was a light that was different than anything else. Suddenly, there was the glory of the Lord shining around them. And, and guys, literally, it just scared them to death. They'd never seen anything like that before. They'd never seen an angel like that before. And they needed that angel to say, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And I'm so glad that God has them do that. Uh, John the apostle in the book of Revelation, when an angel came and spoke to him, he fell down as a dead man. One time, uh, an angel, they were asked, what is your name? And the angel said, my name's secret. Don't ask me. Uh, Samson's parents, Manoah, an angel came to tell them that they were going to have Samson and uh, told the mother not to drink wine. He was going to be a Nazarite from, from birth. And, and you know the story of Samson. But as that angel, they were making a sacrifice on a fire like you would be camping out in the in, on a campground, making a sacrifice on the fire, uh, of the fire, making cakes. And it was an altar of incense that was telling God, thank you for giving them a boy. And the Bible says, as that angel was telling them what to do, before he left, he entered into the fire. And by the way, angels are always male appearing in the Bible. That doesn't mean there's not female angels. Uh, do you have a guardian angel? Yes, you do. You could have more than one. I think some of us need a whole group of angels taking care of us. But you know what that angel did for Manoah, the parents of... It says that the angel entered into the fire, that sacrifice that was burning back to God, and he did wondrously. Angels are not like you and me that have to have flesh and blood and eat like we do. They are... They are otherworldly. Did you know the Bible says they don't have salvation like you and me? They don't have the Bible. What we get to read in the Bible, isn't it neat? The Bible says the angels long to look into it. It's like they're looking over our shoulder. What are you reading? Because they were created for us to help us. So angels were fascinating, fascinating uh, creation, part of God's creation. But verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, behold means pay attention. Come here, I want, look at me. I want to tell you something that's important. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, how about you? Is it time for a little bit of good news in our world? Uh, we've got a lot of things that bring us bad news. I've been de talk, dealing with and talking with a lot of young people, and I'm talking about young adults uh, lately. And one of the things I realized is that our young people have had, with cell phones, computers, they have had information to an extreme their whole lives. When I grew up, you had to watch the 6 o'clock news. You got a newspaper. You had to listen to a radio. We did not have all day long and all night long information telling us about everything that's happening all around the world. But these young people have. How many of you would be honest and say, when I watch the news and hear about all the bad stuff, it depresses me. Anybody? I really stopped watching the news a few years ago. Did you know that? Because I found myself getting sad, upset, angry, uh, it was negative all the time. Philippians 4 says, think on the good things. 
Not the bad things, but our young people, and it's not their fault, but our young people have had the bad negative information poured into them day and night their whole lives. And did you know right now, one of the worst problems that young people are facing, these are children, youth, and young adults. You may say it could be drugs, it could be teen pregnancy, it could be pornography, it could be, and all those things are, are problems. But right now, even in our church and churches in this city, anxiety, and depression. Because you can't hear all the bad stuff all the time and it not affect you. So here, there's some good news. There's some good things that this angel is telling. He said, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, the message of God is relevant to us today. Some people talk about church. Oh, that's from a long time ago. One of our missionaries to France, when he witnesses to somebody in France, people tell him often, oh, our ancestors tried that a couple hundred years ago, Christianity. And you go over in Europe and you see tremendous cathedrals and churches. They are beautiful buildings. I went in one not long ago that, that had seven, seven organ lofts. They were, it was ornate. And I just can't imagine the craftsmanship and how beautiful it was. But you know what? They're all empty. Nobody goes to worship there. They're museums. They're tourist attractions because they're not churches anymore. We tried that. Our parents tried that before. The message of Christmas is relevant. It's to you and me today. It can change my life this very day. And that's why it says, Today, in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, one of the things you got to get across to people is that they need a Savior. I remember uh, Ted Turner. I pray he's Christian now, but hope he is. Uh, maybe will be. But Ted Turner, when he took over a lot of the, the movies, you remember Turner Classic movies, and he had a lot of the media. Um, when they asked him and someone talked to him about Jesus, he said, I don't need anybody. I didn't ask anybody to die for my sins. I don't need him. There's a lot of people that have made statements like that, but they've passed. And I believe it's not even a second when someone dies until we know. We know what the truth is. So you may be here today and you might not have had a lot of bad stuff happen to you. Wait around because we all need a Savior. I needed saving as an eight-year-old boy. You say, well, how much trouble could you get in? It's, it's not the amount. It's that we're all separated from a holy God. I needed a Savior. And when we come to know Christ, he shows us our need. Unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, for a Jew, that would have been very familiar. The Christ is the Messiah. That's who we're all waiting on. There. That's the one that God said is going to come and he's going to ride on a white horse and he's going to be a military leader like David and he's going to run these Romans out of here and we're going to get our country back. And yeah, we're waiting for the Messiah to come. It's interesting. He rode on an animal. But he rode on a little donkey later in his life. Wasn't a big stallion. Because God said, I'm not coming the way you think I am. I'm coming meek and lowly and gentle, and humble. 
So this angel said, I've got the best news ever. Christ the Lord. Verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby. Now, wait a minute. The Messiah, we want a warrior. The angel said, no, you're going to get a baby, a little one. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, claws. Uh, we know those to be swaddling clothes, lying in a palace. It's not what it says, does it? <laughs> in a manger. That's in where the animals sleep. Didn't smell good. Didn't have heating, air conditioning. It wasn't a really nice place for a new mother to give birth to her first child. Certainly wasn't a good place for the creator of the universe who created everything to come to this world, but that's the way God said, no, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. You'll find a baby wrapped in these claws, lying in a manger, and then verse 13, and suddenly, this is the second time the scripture says suddenly, up there in verse 9, suddenly an angel stood before them, and now suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, it wasn't just one angel this time, it was all of heaven. And now it says that they proclaim glory to God in the highest and on our earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. It's Christmas. And what did this angel do and what did the heavenly host do? They said, I got to tell you. I got a testimony. If you're called in front of a judge, asked to uh, sit on a witness stand, they call you to testify. Testify means that you are called to tell what you know. You are called to tell the truth, and it is a personal testimony. They don't call you to be a witness for someone else. Well, so-and-so saw what happened, and he said or she said, no, they're going to call that person. But when they call you and put you on the, how many of you have ever been on a witness stand? Uh, you know, uh, if you if, if you got put in prison, don't don't raise your hand. I'm talking about you've been called before to advocate for somebody. Do we have any CASA representatives here tonight that help youth that that uh, when they're called, they don't have a family to go before them? And boy, I admire those people that'll go sit with those those children. I've been called and had to sit on a, a witness stand before. And it was to advocate for some children that had been abused by their parents and who could take care of them. And uh, I didn't like being in there. It wasn't a fun place to be, but I was glad to do that. So those children who are all grown right now, uh, those children could get some help. To testify is to tell what you know. And the angels came to tell what they knew. Christmas is over. Now what? Well, now... We need to tell the greatest news there ever has. Does the world need to hear it today? I'm so thankful. Uh, I was writing an email to our Wednesday morning men's Bible study that we have right here in this place every Wednesday morning. You're all invited if you're a man. Uh, the ones on Zoom, I laugh because we have Zoom right here and we have a lot of men on there, but I can hear their wives in the background because they had to start the computer for their husband and get it going. And so I hear them. They're just off camera where we can't see them, but I love that. But I, as I was writing the email for last week, it was during that football game when that football player got hit and he collapsed. And I said, I don't know what's happening right now, but there's a, a football player that was just hit, looks very, very serious, and I'm praying for him. I'm very thankful 
that uh, he seems to be doing so much better. The news today is that he is responding. He's even tweeting back to his, uh, or Instagram back to his team and telling them he loves them. And, and so what a, what a blessing that is that that young man's life seems to have been spared. Uh, I've heard a lot of things in this week. God can make people kneel for the right reasons. I agree with that. God can make people pray when they say it's not lawful to pray. I agree with that. One thing I did long for, and there was, there was every now and then, I wanted them to tell who they were praying to. Because Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And you and I, that's part of our testimony. Well, let's bow in prayer. Great. Who are you going to talk to? We need to tell them. I've got somebody to talk to. His name's Jesus. And it's through him that our prayers can be answered and because of what he's done. But I don't expect a lot of unbelievers to know that. I expect us to know that as Christians and to pray for them because I believe many of those football players are believers. I believe some of the media people are believers and I'm grateful for that. So regardless of what took place, there were some people praying and I rejoice in that. What's after Christmas is testimony time. I want to tell you this. Every one of you here tonight that is truly a Christian and born again, no matter how old you are, there's mom and two daughters sitting right there. God bless you. It doesn't matter which one. Here's a young couple over here. Here, here is people my age. Here's a teacher right back here. What grade do you teach, sir? Fourth grade. We got a man in the fourth grade elementary teaching. Praise God. We need that, don't we? Uh, no matter who you are here tonight, your testimony is so important. I had an older man call me one time and he said, I don't have a testimony. I said, are you a Christian? Yes. Well, you've got a testimony. No, I don't. So I said, let's go to lunch. We sat down there. We talked about a few things. And I said, uh, how old were you when you became a Christian? And he started telling me I was this age. And who told you about Jesus? And he told me, you know, who it was. And for the next 15 minutes, you know what he did? He gave me his testimony he didn't have. And I said, you realize you have just shared your testimony with me? And he went, oh. If you've taken a 2-7 course, you have been trained in that 2-7 course to give your testimony in two minutes. That's very important. I want to add something to that if you don't mind. I believe one of the most effective ways that we can give our testimony, our personal testimony of what Christ has done in our life, do it like you're giving your testimony to a six-year-old. All that fluff's gone then. We're not trying to impress that six-year-old. We're trying to get it across to them where they can understand it. And if you'll do that, your testimony can be made so clear to people. I can't emphasize that enough. I'm a pastor. We've got a lot of pastors here in the church. You probably know a lot of pastors, preachers, teachers, you know, authors, you know, people from Sunday school teachers and, and you know, people that are used to giving their testimony and sharing God's word all the time. But I want you to know it's probably you who are not a pastor or a teacher. You haven't written a book about the Lord or you haven't written curriculum to teach in a Sunday school class. It's probably you that your story and your testifying of what Jesus has done, that there's some people right out here waiting to hear. I had people call me and 
in ministry before. They call me on the phone. Oh, Mike, can you come? I think somebody's about ready to pray and receive Christ. Can you come? And there's sometimes I said, no, you pray with them because you don't need the preacher. The preacher can't save anybody. It's not any magic words. You pray with them, and I'll come, but you pray with them. And I just, I really want to emphasize that, your story. I ask people all the time when I meet somebody new, if I've not met you here tonight, please let me say hello to you before you leave. I love to meet new people. You've taken the time to come to Denton Bible here Sunday evening service. I want to take the time to say hello to you. I say something often, and that is this. I can't wait to hear your story. Because if we've got the best news that has ever been given to this world, we've got to tell somebody. How many of you, when you first got saved, you couldn't wait to tell somebody? God has so energized you and encouraged you, you couldn't wait. Somebody's going to hear about what's happened in your life. That's the way it ought to be. And it ought to be stronger as the years go by. I want to tell somebody about what he's done. Are there testimonies in the scripture? In John chapter 9, a man who had been born blind was healed by Jesus. And the Pharisees, the, the, the religious leaders of the day who thought they had kind of a monopoly on God, and here Jesus was talking about things with authority. Never a man spoke like this man, the Bible says, for he, he speaks as one with authority. And the Pharisees were jealous, scribes, Sadducees, those chief priests, rulers, they were all jealous. And in John chapter 9, they came to that man who had been healed by Jesus and said, don't you know that that man is a sinner? And you remember what that man's testimony was? He is a brand new believer. He hadn't been baptized yet. He hadn't gone to Sunday school. He doesn't know the Bible. Hadn't been written yet, the New Testament. He doesn't know anything except what had happened to him. Don't you know that that man you're saying healed you is a sinner? He said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. That's our testimony. And I'm going to tell you something. It may be your neighbor. It may be your sister. It may be your parents. It could be your coworker. No telling who it is. It may be your children. Some people are waiting right now for you to testify. Don't call, have to wait and call the preacher. It's good to bring them to church, but they're waiting to hear your story because they know you. And when you come up and say, yeah, I used to talk like this. I used to go these places. One of my favorite songs, an old Southern gospel song called Thanks to Calvary. He said, we went back to the house where we used to live and my little girl ran and hid behind the door. And with tears in my eyes, I told her, honey, you don't have to be afraid anymore because you got a new daddy now. And thanks to Calvary, we don't live here anymore. I love that song because it talks about our testimony. Are you not the same? And I'm not talking about you were the worst criminal that ever had been. It doesn't make any difference. You were lost. And your life is a sermon. Paul said, my life is a letter written unto all men to read. You have a testimony. And we've got the greatest news ever. So Christmas is over. What's next? Go tell somebody. 
Tell somebody in your neighborhood. Tell somebody you work with. Pray. Uh, you say, well, I just don't know who I could tell. Well, you hit your knees tonight and pray, Lord, would you give me something? And you better be ready because he's going to bring somebody in, in front of you. I went to visit a man a few years ago. His name was Les. He was a big man. He'd had his own business, worked hard all his life, and I'd heard that he was sick. Went into his home, and he was very gracious, coming in there, uh, asking me to come in, sit down. And we talked about what he had done as a career. We talked about a lot of things. And then I turned to Les, and I said, Les, you're sick, aren't you? Yep. Why do we wait? Why do we wait till the, the crisis comes? to cry out to the one that loves us more than anyone. What if you hit your knees in prayer again tonight and say, oh, Lord, everything's okay. I don't need anything. I just want to say hi. I love you. I won't, I won't ask for anything. I just want to praise you and honor you. But we wait. Human nature does that. We wait till we get in trouble. Then we cry out. And I said, Les, I've heard you're sick. And he said, yeah, I've got cancer. And I said, Les, um, I may, I may uh, go to heaven before you do. There's no telling. We're not promised of tomorrow, but I want to tell you, you're going to stand in front of your creator just like I will. And the only thing that's going to matter is have you given your life to Jesus? And I saw that big, big man. He was just looking at me, and he couldn't say anything. He was just looking at me. And I said, here, I'm not here to preach to you other than to just tell you that Jesus has changed my life. The Bible's true. God loves you. And you can have an assurance of your salvation. You can know Jesus tonight as your, uh, today as your Lord and Savior. Well, he couldn't say anything, but this big, big man, I could tell he was just about to cry. And I said, I love you, Les. And I just, I just wanted to take the time to tell you about Jesus. Well, he was very gracious and kind and everything, and I left in a few moments. He said, please come back, and I, a few days later, I did. I came and knocked on the door again and said, Les, can I come in? Come on in, come on in, and I could tell he was fading fast, and it wouldn't be too long, and we talked about his granddaughter, and we talked about his wife, and, his, and then I turned to him again, and I said, Les, the only thing that's going to matter is when you pass from this life, when I pass from this life, to have a relationship with Jesus. And this big man, I could tell he was just about to burst out in tears. And I said, you can ask Jesus in your heart right now. Do you want to do that? And I want to tell you guys, he started bawling like a little baby. Big less. He cried like a little child. And Les prayed, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. And Les is in heaven today. He's in heaven today. Because he swallowed his pride. He called on the name of Jesus. And Romans 10 tells us, I don't say that on my authority. I say it on the authority of the scripture. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Big Les called on Jesus' name. And I watched a man taken out of the kingdom of darkness, plucked out of that and placed in the kingdom of God right in front of my eyes. I can't wait to get to heaven and go check how Les is doing, what he's been doing since he's been there. You've got a testimony, and somebody needs to hear it. You need to testify. 
Tell the good news. Tell what Jesus has done in your life. Well, I used to struggle a lot with fear, but when I gave my life to Jesus, I'm not afraid anymore. Do you know how many people need to hear that? They need to hear that so that they can trust in him too. So what time was it in the Bible? The blind man said, I don't know, but I was blind and now I see. Paul said, I was a blasphemer and I thought to do many things contrary to God. But when God was pleased to reveal his son in me, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Paul said, I didn't go talk to people to try to find out because God had talked to me and he would changed my life. And Paul says, all those things in my life, all my education and all my accomplishments, I count them as rubbish, garbage to have what I have today because I know Jesus. He was witnessing and testifying before officials in the government. And one of the, one of the government officials, after they heard the testimony of how Paul had gotten saved and his life had changed, remember, this was the baddest of the bad, Saul. And he became one of the goodest of the good. Sorry about my grammar. But he was, he was the enemy of God. And God saved him and now he's the friend of God. And that official said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. You know what Paul said to him? He said, I would pray that not only you, but all that are here today would be like me and have what I have except that you don't have a chain on your foot. That's what a Christian does. We want people to be saved. And I just can't tell you enough. Your testimony is the one that somebody needs to hear. It's yours. Well, I can't speak very well. Good. They'll know it's God then. It could be a friend. It could be somebody you meet at the grocery store. It could be a young person. It doesn't have to be your same age. A young person can witness to an older person. I just want you to know your testimony is so valuable. Later in the scripture, uh, someone said, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. The woman at the well went back to her hometown and said, come and, come and see this man. That was her testimony. Andrew went and got Peter. Come and see this man. They went and got Nathaniel. Come and see this man. That's all their testimony that they had at that time. Come and see. My older brother, seven years older than I am, and his wife for years and years, my younger brother and I would say, won't you come to church with us? Please come to church with us. They would never come, would never come until I've shared with you, and I won't repeat that here tonight, but he called me over to dinner one night at their home, and both of them became Christians. And all my younger brother and I did for those years is come and see. Come and see. You just come one time. And boy, we prayed that God would get a hold of them. And he did. He did. So there's many testimonies that are important. I want you to, if you take down those, I want to give you a few things that have to do real quickly with this first testimony of the angel of the Lord. First of all, the angel of the Lord stood in front of them. It was a personal witness. It's a personal witness. And that's what a testimony is. I don't need to give your testimony necessarily, and you don't need to give mine. It's good to talk about how the Lord's changed our lives, but the testimony you have is yours. It's personal. Number two, he said, behold, listen up. Coaches used to see, take a knee, gather in. We need to love people enough to be willing to tell them. And he said, behold, look and listen. Number three, 
our t testimony should be full of good news. One of the things that new Christians sometimes make a mistake on is we say, would you give your testimony? And for 30 minutes, they describe their pagan life and all of their sins. Does that happen, Elliot, in, in the ministry that you serve in? Uh, it's okay to tell what God delivered you from, but we need to hurry and get to what God's giving you now. We don't need our testimony to be full of how bad we were. It needs to be full of how good Jesus is. Tell him where you came from, what he delivered you from. Be like the blind man. Well, I was blind. I was a gambler. I stole money from my family. I was a thief. I was an adulterer. I was a liar. I was untrustworthy in business. I was... I spoke uh, terribly. I had filthy language, whatever it is. Tell them where you came from, but let your testimony be full of good news. This angel's testimony was full of good news. Number four, it was to all the people. You never know who hears your testimony. Our pastor here at Denton Bible, you remember what he says? A man was witnessing to his roommate in college and it ricocheted. I love that. It bounced off his roommate and hit him. I have seen more people come to know Christ and join the church that I got to serve with at a hospital visit where I was visiting somebody else. I was visiting somebody else and somebody else was listening. Isn't that good? God knows who's going to be there. He have, we have divine appointments. And so that testimony is for all the people. We need to be willing to tell everybody. The Bible says to preach the gospel to every creature. I don't need to think, uh, well, they deserve it. They don't. I'll tell them, but I won't. No, we need to share it with everybody that we come in contact with. Uh, the testimony that the angel gave was relevant. It was today this Christ is born. Be real. Speak of the important message of today's world. There's an urgency that angel had. Today, now. And then number six. It says, the one that's going to be born is your Savior. You need to let them know that Jesus died for them. He is a personal Lord and Savior. So, Christmas is over. What's next? Testify. You need to give your testimony like the angel did. Uh, number seven, by the way, make sure they know the humility of Christ. He came humbly as that little baby. And our testimony should be full of humility also. The, the angel of the Lord was not the only one with the testimony. The heavenly host showed up. They appeared. That's important. Number one for this in their testimony, people could see them. Uh, can people see your life? Can people see that you don't go some of the same places that other people do or where you used to go? Can some people see your life and you don't talk the same way that everybody else does in certain settings? you probably had in your school growing up show and tell and that's where you could bring something into the class and tell all about it but you had something to show christians have something to show our life is different we've got something to tell when somebody says wow you have really turned your life around that ought to just make you shake in your boots and say i didn't turn anything around but i got a good savior got a good god and he changed my life can i tell you about him I have never had almost in 43 years of ministry somebody say, you can't tell me your testimony. You can't. Even an atheist, 
many times atheists. Can I tell you about Jesus? I want you to know I'm an atheist. I say, can I tell you anyway? And almost always they've said, okay. And some of them I got to baptize that became my brother in Christ right after that. You've got a testimony and it's good. It's powerful. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an author, a teacher, a lecturer. You don't have to be. Just be who you are. Tell what you know. Testify to the change Jesus has made in your life. And you'll watch miracles take place right in front of you. The heavenly host came. They appeared. They could be seen. Number two, there was a multitude of them. Sometimes when you're witnessing to somebody, you feel like you're the only one there. No, there's lots of brothers and sisters around. You're not the only one. Number three, they praised God. They didn't praise man. They didn't say, I'm here to tell you, and I've won so many people to Christ. I, I really don't like somebody saying that. I've won so many. We don't win anything. Jesus is the one who changes people's lives. They praise God. They give him the glory. Our testimony should acknowledge God and not lift ourselves up. And then fourthly, the testimony of the, whole, of the heavenly host showed that those who please God will have peace and goodwill. Do you know anybody in your life tonight that doesn't have peace? They're tormented. They're afraid. They have anxiety and depression. They've got, they've got all kinds of things that are pulling against them. Oh, what they would give for a little bit of peace. That's what Jesus offers. And that's why your testimony is so important. The angel of the Lord had a testimony. The heavenly host had a testimony. And you and I do too. The last part of this, we, we can't go too much further because we're about out of time. But the, the scripture goes on in verse 15 and says, the angel, when the angels had gone away back into heaven, the shepherds began saying, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see what's happened. And they went, hurried there and they found Mary and Joseph and Jesus and then it says in verse 17, when they had seen this, they made known the statements which had been told them about the Christ child. They went and told all who heard it the wonderful message. They went and testified. They gave their testimonies. When Mary treasured all these things, when she heard it, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that he had, they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them, they went and gave their testimony. So I just want to challenge you here the shepherd said let us go take somebody with you if you want to I want to challenge you would you dare to pray something with me tonight would you dare don't you like dares would you dare to pray God would you bring somebody in my life this week that I can share Christ with I have a lot of other things but I want to share one story with you in testimony as I close here tonight. I pastored a Bible church for a lot of years in another town. I had never heard about Denton Bible Church. I came to visit my sister-in-law who lived in Krugerville and I saw Denton Bible Church on the sign. I didn't know about you guys. This is a lot of years ago. And I said uh, to my family that day, we're gonna go to that church someday. The church that I pastored was a Bible church and I'd never heard about Tommy, uh, DTS of course, but not Denton Bible Church or Tommy or anybody or any of you. But I saw the sign. This was right when the new sanctuary was built over there. And I said, we're going to go to that church someday. Well, I went home and Googled 
and I watched a couple videos that were on there for the next men's conference. I came to that men's conference with a friend of mine, and I watched, and I saw, and I listened, and I said, oh, Lord, how great it would be to be in a church like this. Oh, Lord, could I ever be a part of a church like Denton Bible Church? Well, that's part of my testimony I can't tell you all about here tonight. don't have time. But within a few years, we were living in Aubrey, Texas. We came to uh, worship here in this church, and not very much longer after that, the church offered me a position here. And I tell you what, I have loved every minute being here. This sounds like I'm going somewhere. I'm not going anywhere. I just want you to know that's part of my testimony. But before I was hired here, I was working jobs around uh, in town because I, I, I wanted to be an example, work hard, feed my family. I had a boy that had gone to college. College is so inexpensive nowadays. Whew. And so I was working, and it was lunchtime, and I stopped over there in Corinth. I saw a Chick-fil-A. I said, I'm going to go over there and get a sandwich at lunchtime. And I remember praying, dear Lord, would you please, and what I'm about to tell you, you may think, did it really happen? It did. Would you please let me share Christ with somebody today? I went in there and got my Chick-fil-A sandwich, whatever it was. And in the booth next to me was a couple, a man and a woman, and then another man. And I could, couldn't help but hear them. And one of them was saying, well, if you're going to pastor, you've got to be with the people. A pastor is a shepherd that's among the people, one of the best books I've ever read before in seminary was they smell like sheep. Shepherds need to smell like sheep because they've been with the sheep. And so I heard them talking and said, if you're going to be that. And, and so I thought, wow, they must be talking about, you know, a new pastor at a new church. So when they got up to leave, I, I got the man and I said, sir, I don't want to bother you, but I couldn't help tell you that I heard what you're talking about. Are you talking about a church? What kind of church is it? And he said these words. He says, one that'll serve God and do whatever he asks us to, to do. Will you, be, you want to be a part of it? And I said, I might. And he said, well, who are you? I said, I've been a pastor these number of years and, and I'm in the transition period. And, and he said, well, can I talk to you? I said, sure. We started meeting on Tuesdays at that same Chick-fil-A. He had been a missionary in South Africa and in South America, seven years apiece. He believed God called him back to the United States. He didn't know why. He went down to Fort Worth and didn't know why. He came up here and rented a house in, in Denton. This is not orthodox. It's not the way it happens a lot of times. But he said, I believe we're supposed to be here for some reason, but we're praying to seek God's will. I said, good. You pray for me. I'll pray for you. We started meeting on Tuesdays. One Tuesday there, my phone rang, and it was my brother. Two of my brothers are still in the church where I pastored before. And they said, Mike, we had somebody to come preach this Sunday. Can you come preach? And I said, no, I have another commitment. I want to uh, be somewhere else. But I said, wait just a minute. And I turned to my friend that I'd met at Chick-fil-A, and I said, would you be interested in going and preaching in my home church? And he said, I'd love to. So I gave him directions, gave him gas money, showed him everything. I said to my brother, yep, I've got somebody coming. His name's Steve. Well, he went there. We met back the next Tuesday at Chick-fil-A, and he said, Mike. I told him, I said, these are just common people that love the Lord. And he came back and he said, it's just like you said it was. They asked me to come back again. And I said, great. Now, my, my brain's not working very quickly, you understand. I said, good. That'll give him a place that, you know, that he can witness and minister a little bit. 
that man has been the pastor of the church that I left for 15 years. Did you know that? Just saw him on FaceTime just the other day for 15 years. Started with a prayer. He laughed and was giving his testimony about that one time. He said, yeah, one of us was seeking God's will. And he said, the other one was just seeking a Chick-fil-A sandwich is all he was seeking. And I said, yeah. You never know. So I'm gonna ask you as we close and as Lucifer comes with our worship team, I'm gonna ask you to dare to pray a prayer with me. And that's simply to say, Lord, would you put men, women, and no matter who you are tonight, would you put somebody in my path this week that I could give my testimony to? Now, don't pray it unless you're ready. But if you weren't saved, would you hope somebody was praying for you? Hope somebody was ready to come and tell you what Jesus had done in their life? Yep, I, I would be. Christmas is over. What's next? When do you go tell the good news? When do you go give our testimony? We need to testify. I was blind. But now I see. How'd that happen? Let me tell you how it happens. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this passage that teaches us the angels were ready to testify. The heavenly host was ready to testify. Mary and Joseph were ready to testify. The shepherds couldn't wait to go back where they came from and tell this good news that they had heard and what they had seen. And oh Lord, when you changed my life, I couldn't wait to go tell somebody what had happened. I pray if there's somebody here tonight that's not saved, that they would talk with one of us and we could pray with them. We can't save them, but you can, Lord. I pray here tonight, Lord, for all of us that are Christians. And I want to ask you to do the very thing I just mentioned. Would you, in your mercy, bring someone in my life this week and in everybody that's praying with me this week that we could share our testimony to. And Lord, that that heart would be receptive to the gospel. They would want to receive Jesus either right now or very soon. They would confess their sins and ask Jesus to save them. And we could rejoice that a new brother or sister has been brought into the family of God. Help us, Lord, to be ready to testify and we'll check back in. If you don't come back before next Sunday, we'll check back in and see all that you've done. We thank you in Jesus' name.